Welcome to Denim Wrapped Nightmares, Tipsy Exchange Podcast, where we explore the Supernatural series episode by episode. Over drinks, we'll discuss the lore, the gore, and what we adore about the Winchesters and their adventures. I'm Burley, and I'm a new fan of the series. I'm LA, and I'm here along for the ride. Now let's get tipsy. Hello, LA. Hello, Burley. We're halfway through season four, which means it's our mid-season episode, so we have a few housekeeping items. We've received some more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, So one from Write Softly says, Burley and LA are delightful hosts of this fun-filled Thirsty Rewatch podcast. Their recaps are hilarious and make me laugh out loud every time. And their admiration of Richard Spate Jr. is just a delight. Aww. Can't wait to experience the rest of Supernatural with both of them leading us through the rewatch. You know who's a delight? Hmm. Richard Spate Jr. Mm. (laughs) Another one from 3SA Photography? Mm Mm-hmm. Teresa. Oh. Okay. These two gals are hilarious. Listening to their podcast and then thirsting over the cast makes me smile on my drive to work every time I listen. They seem so genuine in their review and comments. Yay. This one is titled Love This Podcast from Campy One. Mm-hmm. And they say, LA and Burley are some of the funniest people. They bring creativity and joy to each episode. I look forward to a new episode each week. I'm excited for the upcoming ones. And then we have one titled Wonderful Podcast by Frostback Lumberjack. And they say, found the podcast a couple weeks ago, listened to it. I enjoyed it very much. Started binging at episode one. The lady, the, the young ladies are funny. The chemistry is wonderful. They make me laugh. I even watch after Sam and Dean go through so much suffering. He called us young. <laughs> very nice. Thank you, Frostback. Sweet. <laughs> all right and then we have unhinged with lots of laughter listen with headphones <laughs> and this is michelle geeky moose sam winchester looking for a newbie discovering supernatural for the first time and want to have the time of your life for 40 to 50 minutes listen to denim wrapped nightmares did you just blank on the name of our own podcast? Yeah, it did. Oh. Okay, let me do that over. Okay. If you're looking for a newbie discovering, nope, looking for a newbie discovering Supernatural for the first time and want to have the time of your life for 40 to 50 minutes, listen to Denon Wrapped Nightmares. You won't regret it. And I not only say it because Burley has become one of my friends, I really enjoy laughing aloud. The lore, the gore, and what they adore, dive in. Remember to use headphones, though, because of some commentary. If you aren't listening, you're missing out. Yeah, Michelle is the one who let us know that Serge's last name meant the sweetness. Oh, yeah, it's said she's from uh, Luxembourg. Yeah. yeah. And then one more from Dean's math teacher. I love these gals. Having watched Supernatural many times over, it's always exciting to watch or listen to newcomers experience it for the first time. Burley and L.A. are hilarious and hold nothing back, maybe due to the alcohol. They are (laughs) just as hilarious as the rest of us. This podcast is a great listen if you want to see Supernatural in a new light and need a laugh while doing so. 
Those were sweet. Thank you so much, listeners. We appreciate it. Uh, If you haven't already, please remember to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. And if it gives you the ability to do so, please rate and review us as well. Uh, And if you don't follow us on social media, please find us on Instagram, TikTok. Uh, We're also on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, But follow us, interact with our posts, and of course, last but not least, please share the show with your friends. Okay, on last week's episode, Heaven and Hell, Anna remembers her past and Sam and Dean finally understand why Castiel and Uriel want her dead. However, they disagree with the angel's orders and try to help Anna restore an important part of her past so she can be saved. Meanwhile, Alistair... And his demons continue to close in on Anna and the brothers. Today's episode is not one of my favorites. That's going to be for sure when we get to the end of the season. I don't think this would be anybody's favorite. Family Remains. It's the 11th episode of season four. And it originally aired on January 15th, 2009. We start out with Sam waking up in the backseat of the Impala. And he sees Dean sitting in the front, going through newspapers, asks him, what are you doing? Dean's like, what does it look like I'm doing? And he's like, looks like you're looking for a case. Turns out they've been running ragged for the last month, doing cases back to back to back to back. Sam is insisting that they need to take a break. They need to rest. They need to recharge. But Dean is like, no, we need to go check out this other case. Sam's like, I know what you're running from. Or are we going to pretend that didn't happen? Referencing Dean's confession about hell. And Dean just pushes, nope, let's go check out this case in Nebraska. Where Bill Gibson was found murdered in a room that was locked from the inside. Now I did skip ahead here. Uh, This was the opening scene where we saw Bill Gibson sitting in his recliner. He goes to leave his bedroom and he can't leave because it's locked. And then we see from a mysterious something's angle like a door opening. I'm guessing it was a closet or something looking at Bill and him turning around and being like, you, it's you. Like, what do you want? Something, something like that. And we got our 18th blood splooge of the supernatural series. As we saw blood squirt all over a home, sweet home sign while Bill Gibson screamed in horror at whatever was attacking him. Jumping back to where I left off. (laughs) Sam, And Dean, you know, they go to Nebraska. (laughs) So they arrive at the family home and it's an adorable little house from the outside. It's big. It's a big house. I love the wraparound porch. Oh, yeah. I love that. Super cute. The inside needs some work. Yeah. There were no appliances in the kitchen, which uh, maybe that's common in some places. Yeah. I know there's. Yeah. There's some country where it's like you take your kitchen with you when you move out. I can't remember what it is that that's more common. So they're checking out this house. They're looking around. The fact that Bill was in a locked room with no sign of forced entry has already had them suspecting it's a vengeful spirit. They're going through trying to use the EMF detector, but there's power lines everywhere, so that's not going to help them out. As they're checking out the house, they see a car and a huge-ass moving truck coming down the road and pulling into the driveway of this house. And they're like, oh, Fuck. Dean was like, I thought you said this wasn't sold. And Sam's like, clearly I was wrong. My fucking bad, man. (laughs) We cut to outside 
This family's getting out of their car. They're talking about their fresh start, that everything's going to be okay now. So it's like, what is happening with this family? There's some sort of drama going on here. It's a husband, a wife, their daughter and son, and then Uncle Ted. As Sam and Dean come walking out of the house, the daughter goes, who are they? <laughs> and L.A. was like, that's exactly what I would be asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do you come with the house? Right. Good you purchase. live nearby? <laughs> What's up? Sam and Dean say that they're code enforcement and there's asbestos in the walls and the house and the family cannot stay there, that they need to go stay at a local motel. And at first the family pushes back, but they do finally cave and the dad is like, okay, we're, we're going to go stay at the hotel for one night. That's it. Sam and Dean continue their investigation. They aren't really finding anything in the house. So they go talk to the housekeeper who found the body. And she tells them that, Bill Gibson had a wife who had died in childbirth and they had had a daughter, but she hung herself in the attic. I think they said it was, was it 20 years ago? I think so. The boys press a little further and she says that both the wife and the daughter were cremated. She also had pictures of his family for some reason. Yeah, I didn't understand that. That was weird. That was never explained. She was like, I think I have some pictures and the pictures she pulled forward, like they looked like school pictures almost. Like yeah. your yearbook photos or something. Oh, well, we'll move forward. <laughs> they asked what she saw when she found him. And she said that, you know, blood was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then they were, they were like, well, what about Mr. Gibson? She was like, he was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, Ugh, gross. In pieces. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of like in Yellow Fever that if, if the vengeful isn't a vengeful spirit, spoiler, but if it were a vengeful spirit and it ended up it was Mr. Gibson, how would you guys have fixed that? Right. Burn yeah. the house down? I mean, goodness. I so. He apparently got tore the fuck up. In the meantime, the family decided to stay in the house because it turns out that Uncle Ted actually builds houses. He's in construction. So he went through and checked out the house after Sam and Dean left and was like, there's no asbestos in there. I don't know who those guys were. They don't work with code enforcement. I've never seen hot ass guys like that. <laughs> I don't think that's quite what he said. <laughs> they were too pretty. They were just too pretty. But Uncle Ted called bullshit on Sam and Dean after they had left. So the family decided, F it, we're going to stay. And they started moving in. Obviously, they aren't completely settled. Things aren't completely unpacked, but they get settled enough to go to bed. And we see the son, his name's Danny. In his bedroom, listening to music, just chilling out, and his closet door opens. And he's, like, peeking around, being like, what's that? Who are you? Which, Danny, you are way too trusting, my dude. Oh, yeah. You were being way too friendly mm -mm. to the stranger in your closet. Yeah. She rolls a ball out to him, and Danny picks it up and rolls it back, and then they play catch. Like, just, what? <laughs> Danny, stranger danger. Come on, honey. She also sneaks into the daughter's bedroom. Her name's Kate. So the daughter is laying in bed sleeping and we hear panting. And so the daughter puts her hand out to the side and is like calling for their dog. Her hand gets licked and she's like, ew, gross. Why'd you do that? And then her door squeaks and she looks over and the dog is just now poking its head in the bedroom to see what's going on. Oh. So the daughter flips her shit. In the meantime, the parents and the uncle downstairs have stumbled upon a wall 
where somebody has scratched in red crayon in giant ass letters taking up the whole wall the word go. Just a simple big ass G-O. They've called Danny downstairs and are asking him why he did that. He's insisting he didn't, that it's the girl who lives in the walls. That she told him he could stay, but she doesn't like adults, so everybody else has to leave. Yikes. When they don't believe him, he gets upset. Danny gets upset, and as he's on his way upstairs, he says, if Andy were here, Andy would believe me, and takes off. And then the daughter comes running downstairs screaming that there's a ghost in the house because something was just licking her hand and it wasn't the freaking dog. (laughs) Sam and Dean had arrived back at the house and saw that the family was there. They pulled up and parked outside anyways, and they happened to hear Kate screaming from outside. So they come rushing in the house to see what's going on. And the family's like, who the fuck are you? And they just lay it on the line. They're like, your house is haunted. Right. They're like, I also like that the dad opens the door and like they just rush in and he just is like, OK, come on in. guys. Yeah, who are you? Strangers the that, handsome... that lied to me earlier today. <laughs> the handsome liars are back. What do you guys want? Sam and Dean rush them out of the house. They're like, the house is haunted. The ghost is going to kill you. We got to get you out. And they just trust them and just come running out of the house with Sam and Dean, the whole family. But it turns out that in the short time that Sam and Dean were inside convincing the family that something's fucked up and they need to get out, someone went and slashed all their tires so they can't go anywhere. Uh, Also, they decided to kill the family dog. Real nice. And what did they put on the side of the moving van in the blood? It said too late. Yeah. They were running around the house trying to find the dog. And then came across the moving van and it just said too late in blood. Which how quick are these people that they were able to do this so fast in such a short period of time? Yeah. They emptied the Impala's trunk. They have all of Sam and Dean's weapons. That's a lot. They slashed the tires. They murdered the dog. And they did graffiti with the dog's blood. Within like five minutes. Yeah, they're busy. But we did find out at the, by the end of the episode there were two of them. Yeah. So maybe. Still a bit of a stretch. Yeah. They run back inside to regroup and Sam and Dean put them in a big salt circle and are telling them it's a ghost. The ghost can't cross this line. They aren't quite believing them just yet, especially Uncle Ted. Uncle Ted's like calling bullshit on a lot of their stuff until this girl comes out of the closet and she's pale and she's dirty and she looks inhuman yeah, like she's got glazed over, like, uh, I don't know, weird eyes. Like almost cataracts looking eyes. Yeah. She's walking toward them and everybody gets in the salt circle real quick once this happens. <laughs> Suddenly everyone's a believer. Dean is standing in front of them, protecting them, and she keeps coming toward them. And she pulls a knife out of her sleeve slowly and just steps over the salt line, no problem. And then Dean's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Not a ghost. Not a ghost. <laughs> Sam had been looking around the house, had gone upstairs to the attic because that's where the daughter had taken her own life. Uh, So he was looking for more stuff, looking for more clues while all of this was going down. The family runs outside while Dean is fighting with this girl. Sam reappears in the living room, shines his flashlight on them and is like, hey. And the girl like looks at the light, hisses and like runs back into the closet to get away from the flashlight. When Sam was looking around, 
he mentions that all he happened to find was Rebecca Gibson's diary that was up in the attic. That's the daughter, right? Yes, okay. that's the dead daughter. So again, the family had run outside whenever the ghost turned out to not be a ghost. And once they're outside and regrouping, everybody's getting together, that's when they figure out Danny, the little boy, is missing. They all go to a shed that's near the house. Susan and Kate, so the mom and the daughter, are going to hide out there. Ted and Dean decide to go check out the house inside the walls because that's where the girl seemed to have come from. While Brian and Sam, so the dad and Sam, are checking out the rest of the grounds around the house. Dean and Ted find like a hidden wall space in the closet that she had come in and out of. And so they follow her into there, which is not great, guys. There wasn't a good line of sight in there. Mm -mm. You didn't have 360 vision. Like there was no way they could turn left and right or anything. I was going to say they barely fit in there themselves. Exactly. As they're squeezing through this tiny wall space, they come across a hole in the floor that's perfectly Dean sized. (laughs) So he's able to go down there. And Ted, he didn't want to follow Dean. He was like, you're not going down there, are you? And Dean's like, I mean, yeah, unless you want to do it. Like, I'm going. And so Ted stayed on the first floor, and Dean goes down to, like, the basement level, I guess. And as soon as Dean gets down there, you can see there's animal carcasses around, and he's obviously letting you know it doesn't smell too good down there. He finds the dog. He says something about having dog for dinner or something. While Ted is up there waiting for him, the girl finds him. And stabs a knife right through his throat. Which Ruby actually did this in the last episode, too. She stabbed someone right through the throat. Dean tries to get back there in time to save Ted, but he doesn't get there in time. Ted's, like, head just falls perfectly through the hole Mm -hmm. for Dean to see what happened. And Dean was able to stay quiet, so the girl... Covered his flashlight. Yeah, he got really sneaky really quickly so that the girl didn't know he was down there. And here's the only thing that kind of bothered me is that when y'all realized it wasn't a ghost there are four adults sam five five adults four grown-ass men Mm -hmm. why didn't y'all all just tackle her ass to the ground as soon as you realized it wasn't a ghost right why is it you were in the salt circle and not a ghost and the reaction was oh run away (laughs) Like, I would have been like, it's a person. Take her ass down. And granted, they were saying, shoot her, shoot her. You know, but she was swinging the knife like crazy. I mean, it was it was dangerous, but, like, there were a lot of you. I, yeah. I just feel like y'all could have taken her down. I agree. That's what fear does to you, I guess. True. True. You're already scared thinking it's a fucking ghost. Okay. <laughs> and then she steps over the line. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I just, I just feel like you and I would have been like, oh, it's not a ghost. Let's take this bitch out. Let's take her down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's a criticism I have about this. But yeah, you're right. Fear fear does do weird things. So <laughs> we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Dean goes to the shed and they ask, you know, where's Ted? And he tells them he's outside. And they're like, why is he not in here? And he told them, like, because I had to carry him. So they kind of figure out Ted is dead. Poor Ted. Yeah, it was sad. Brian and Sam are in the shed with the mom and the daughter at this point. And Sam has been reading Rebecca's diary. Brian, the dad, is talking to the mom, talking more about how we're going to be okay. We're going to survive this. We're going to find Danny. He's reminding the daughter and the mom that remember what Danny said, that the girl on the wall told him he could stay. Like, I believe he's still alive. 
I don't think that she killed him. I think that she wants him to stay here. Sam and Dean go back inside, and Sam reveals what he's read in the diary. And it turns out that Mr. Gibson was a freaking monster who, trigger warning, just FYI, skip ahead if you need to, raped his daughter and got her pregnant and then hid the child for all eternity because he didn't want anybody to see. And the diary talked a lot about how she was so ashamed. She was ashamed of being pregnant. She was scared, all these other things. So that's why she took her life. And it turns out that this not ghost is actually her kids that haven't seen the light of day their entire lives, have just been fed scraps through a dumb waiter, basically tortured and abused the entirety of their lives, like not knowing anything other than that. And like utter neglect. Mm-hmm. I would have rather them had it be a ghost. Oh, yeah. Once they figure this out, they realize they had found a dumb waiter that had been sealed over when the house went on the market. They realize, okay, this is probably how he was feeding them is through the dumb waiter. If he kept them locked away and didn't want them out of the house. The other thing that's sad that I realize is like the hole in the walls, like all the little things. That means that they had to figure out how to, they chiseled those holes mm-hmm. and did all those things to get out of the basement. It's just ugh. It's awful. And the reason it's so sad is because we know there's people out there who are like this. Mm-hmm. It's just so sad. They rip off the patch on the wall and Dean goes down the dumbwaiter. The dad and Sam are in there helping him. They get a rope together based off of like sheets and curtains and things like that. Dean goes down there. He was insistent that he had to be the one to go save Danny. He gets down there and Danny is saying, hurry before he comes back. He, he. Dean's just like, what do you mean he? And the boy says, her brother. And then this guy jumps out of nowhere. In the meantime, the girl who we've seen earlier is trying to attack the mom and the daughter out at the shed, trying to kill them, unalive them. Dean wrestles with the brother. His All their weapons from the Impala are down here, so he manages to get one of his guns and shoot the brother and save the little boy. The husband, Brian, goes out to check on the wife and the daughter in the shed and ends up killing the girl, so she gets unalived as well. Unalived? What is that? I guess it's not a trigger word, and it doesn't, like... It's on social media a lot that people will say unalived instead of murdered or killed. Never heard that. I've never said it, and I don't know why I'm doing it on this episode. I, I wasn't sure if that's what you said. I was about to stop you and be like, is that what you said? But then you said it again. I was like, oh, okay, that is what she said. I've never done that before. I don't know why I'm doing that right now. I've just never seen it. I, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I have. I thought maybe you just made it up. No. <laughs> it was like your new thing to say. No, apparently it is. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just didn't know. So these poor kids who are like 19, 20 something years old have been tortured their whole lives. And as Sam said, you know, just because they've been tortured doesn't excuse them murdering a bunch of people. Yeah. I mean, they don't know any better though. Yeah. It was just survival. Mm-hmm. And he made some comment Sam did to Dean about like, I'm sure their lives were hell. And Dean was like, you don't know anything about hell. So Dean was really relating with these people and, and, the fact that they've been tortured and what they become. And we end up finding out a little bit later why he was relating to them so much. Well, he also was like so determined to like 
that he was the one that was going to save the little boy. And like he promised the dad and he was just so serious and like, like it was had to be him. Mm-hmm. Like he, he needed it to be him yeah. to be the one to save him. Yep. So we find out through some conversations here and there that the family had actually already lost a child about a year ago. Their eldest died in a car accident and they moved here for a fresh start, uh, hoping to, you know, make things work, that everybody was going to be happy. They were going to be able to move on. Dad was like, you know, because what could possibly go wrong in the country? Yeah. So Sam and Dean saved the day, but it's still just really depressing and sad. You saved the family, but those poor kids. Yeah, this was, this was, it reminded me of the Benders, Mm -hmm. but it was so much worse than the Benders. Yeah, yeah. So to end the episode, we have a bromant. They pull over on the side of the road. Dean is talking more about hell. And he confesses to Sam that not only did he give in and agree to start torturing souls in hell, but he liked it. Mm. He enjoyed torturing the souls in hell. Did it for the pleasure, I think he said. Yikes. He's not crying. Like, he's obviously upset and berating himself, but it's not like the bromant we got at the end of last episode where he was crying. There were no tears. Yeah, he does mention, he, he says, like, no matter how many lives he saves, like, nothing's going to change that, mm-hmm. that, 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 that he did that. And that was pretty much the end of the episode. Uh, this was written by Jeremy Carver and directed by the fabulous Phil Sagrisha. There wasn't a lot of gore that you saw outright. Like, we got the blood splooge at the very beginning, the intro of the episode. We saw the dog's blood on the, on the wall. It was more of the implied gore that was disturbing in this all the carcasses oh wait no we did get that gross scene where she held up the rat in front of danny and then bit into it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was in like night vision so it wasn't too bad but it still ooged me out big time yeah i didn't care for that one bit and it's like we got the message that they eat animals did you really need to show it phil come on (laughs) I can't be mad at Phil Sagrisha, though, because he gave us the kitchen scene. Oh, yeah. Okay. We can't be mad at Phil. I loved it. So, yeah, not too gory, but plenty of other stuff in this episode that was just gross. Yeah. Was there anything you adored about this episode? I mean, I I kind of adored it, but also felt a little sad for Dean that he was just so determined to save the day, to be the one to save the day and save Danny and all that. Mm -hmm. But... Like desperate for redemption, but yeah. also believing it's impossible to achieve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's really a thing to adore. I was going to I just, I didn't like this episode. Yeah. I, 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 I like, I appreciate that yet again, they're reminding us there are human monsters out there. I can appreciate that. I did like Uncle Ted. There were some good characters. He had a couple funny things well we like it when people are sassy and he was uncle ted was a little sassy yeah yeah i mean there were things i liked about it but i can't say (laughs) i don't like the episode yeah well yeah yeah i mean (laughs) it's hard to pick things out that you're gonna like from it yeah the direction was good i i will say that you know the the what am I thinking? Like the spaces that mm-hmm. he had to figure out camera angles in and, and make it believable that they were actually in the walls. And that was done really well. I can yeah. say that. I can say that. Everything that was done in the night vision, I didn't think was necessary. Yeah, true. That could have been cut. I'm rambling. Let's move on to lore. 
Okay, well, Dean does refer to a situation uh, in the this episode where he says it's like a story ripped from the Austrian headline. And it references uh, the Fritzl case where Joseph Fritzl had imprisoned his daughter and fathered, I think, about seven children with her. Um, so if you want to know more about that, uh, it's on a link on what? Our tum- a Tumblr blog. We'll pop the link on there. Okay. Look into that if you want. It's a very disturbing story. Yeah, we've had enough disturbing for one day. Well, I, I know we're about to get some more disturbing because <laughs> you told these me. These are, I mean, they're they're not it's as... It's just not as disturbing. Yeah, not as bad as the Fritzl case, I will say that. Um, so these are some other stories of people finding people living and hidden away in their homes. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a South Carolina woman known as Tracy discovered that her ex who was only a few weeks out of jail and living, he was living in her attic in 2012. She had broken up with the guy 12 years before <gasps> he showed up in her house. While he was in prison, he wrote to her constantly. After hearing strange sounds, Tracy saw insulation and even fingernails fall from the ceilings. <sighs> and so her, her nephew went to investigate and he found a man sleeping in the heating unit in Tracy's attic. He had filled fast food cups with his waist. Oh, my God. And positioned himself near a vent in the ceiling of the master bedroom so he could watch her. Oh. Yeah. So based on his release from prison, police estimate that he was living up there for like a little under two weeks. I was going to ask, please tell me that he wasn't living up there for the like 10 years. Oh, no, no, no. Thank God. Oh, my God. She would have definitely been able to smell something and know something oh, was yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Junior at University of North Carolina in Greensboro realized that pieces of her wardrobe mysteriously were vanishing. She and her roommates kind of jokingly blamed it on a ghost. Uh, she found handprints left on the bathroom wall. And on February 2nd, 2019, oh. she discovered a man living in her closet and wearing her clothes. <gasps> She said, I just hear rattling in my closet. It sounded like a raccoon in my closet. I'm like, who's there? And somebody answers. He's like, oh, my name is Drew. I open the door and he's in there wearing all of my clothes, my socks, my shoes, and he had a book bag full of my clothes. Police identified the man as 30-year-old Andrew Swafford. Maddie talked to Swafford as she waited for the uh, for her boyfriend and authorities to arrive and he continued to try on her clothes and commented on how she was really pretty. Uh, he was arrested and put under $26,000 bond, and he faced up to 14 felony charges. Oh, my God. Where did he come from? I don't know. I guess he just liked her style. This one is a Japanese man named Fukuoka. No. Fukuoka. Uh, ja- a Japanese resident began to suspect that he was repeatedly robbed in May of 2008 when his food began disappearing from his home. So he set up security cameras and discovered that a strange woman was living in his cupboard and stealing his food. It was later revealed that she had been living there undetected for over a year. In the cupboard? I was about to say, like, what is this cupboard? Like, does it have doors? Extra doors? Like, how is she hiding in there without you seeing? I don't know. A man named Davis Wallman had no idea what he'd find when he began investigating a series of strange noises 
upstairs in his Green Lake, Washington home in July of 2016. When he finally found the source of the noise in his upstairs office, he tried to open the door. Uh, the room was completely locked, so he had to knock on his, a door in his own house. And finally, a strange woman with dark hair answered. And he was so startled, he didn't know what to do. He asked the woman how she got into the Green Lake property. And she claimed that a man named Jimmy gave her permission to move into the dwelling. Wallman called the local police to handle the situation, but the strange house guest escaped before authorities could have questioned her about it. Huh. I thought this one was funny. It's called, they called it the reverse Santa. Oh. In 2008, on the day uh, after Christmas, a Wilkesy Bar, Pennsylvania, I'm probably saying that wrong, Pennsylvania woman discovered a man living in her attic, periodically helping himself to her family's food, clothes, and possessions. She stated, when he came down from the attic, he was wearing my daughter's pants, my sweatshirt, and sneakers. He also helped himself to a computer and an iPod, and he kept a list of everything he took, titling it as his Christmas list. So they say he's like basically a reverse Santa. He got the sneaking into the house bit right, but took rather than gave to the family at Christmas time. Oh, my goodness. So there's a bunch more, and I know you'll post the link, so... But there's there's a bunch on here. It's quite interesting. Interesting and kind of scary that it happens this often. I saw a video where it showed, I think the people's food kept disappearing and they thought maybe one of them was sleepwalking and eating in the night, like mm-hmm. something, something like that. And so they set up a camera and what they ended up catching on the footage was a woman who had been living like in their ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so she like came out of their ceiling onto their thing, went over peed in their kitchen sink oh yeah i think there was one on here where a guy was peeing in their kitchen sink yeah Yeah, helped herself to their food and then went back up in the ceiling like Mm -hmm. can you imagine thinking that you're just going to catch like a funny video of your husband getting up in the middle of the night and binge eating a little bit out of the fridge and that you wake up the next morning and that's what you caught terrifying well to close it out on this gem (laughs) it's disturbing gem just reminding us that there are real monsters out there Mm. I've got a quote from Dean. He's talking to Sam. He says, I'm telling you, man, humans. Cheers. Look to that. Thank you for listening to Denim Wrapped Nightmares. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, leave a review, and let us know how we can get involved in the fandom. This was fun. Jerk. It always is, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>